Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. What a day this is shaping up to be. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests like Shefty who will join me in a minute here with the latest on the Goodyear hotline. I had Mark Cuban on in our first hour and he was, as always, fascinating. We went all over the place. Uh, before the Deshaun Watson news has now completely taken over the show. And I will remind you, if you missed the Mark Cuban interview, it's a great example of how the podcast can be a great way to catch up. I'm here two hours every single day. We have all kinds of fascinating guests. And if you, again, my first choice would be that you hang out with me for two hours every day. But I understand you've got a life to lead. So if indeed you miss anything, you can always catch up. The podcast is called Hashtag Greeny. It's divided up into hour number one, hour number two. You pop it in, and so the uh, about 20 minutes in the middle of hour number one today will be my interview with Mark Cuban. But in the meantime, the huge story that has developed here is that Adam Schefter breaking the news right before we finished the TV show this morning, so five minutes before I came on the radio, that Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade from the Houston Texans, and Schefter is good enough to jump in here with me again on the Goodyear Hotline. Schefter, thank you. So let me start with this. What exactly does this mean? We already suspected he wanted out we knew he wanted out you had reported it so now that he has officially if you will requested a trade what happens now it's official official and the public discourse begins on it i think that's really where it's at Greeny. not a lot has changed other than for anybody holding out hope that deshaun watson wouldn't request a trade that the new head coach would change the dynamics of the situation Mm -hmm. that the new gm would make contact with him and potentially change his mind. We know now that none of those scenarios exist, that Deshaun Watson officially has requested a trade. He did it weeks ago. So for anyone who thinks, okay, well, maybe David Culley will change their change his mind. No, that's not going to happen. Nick Casario, the new GM, not going to happen. And now really, in my mind, it becomes a little bit of a game of chicken because – the Houston Texans can say, okay, you don't want to show up here. You don't want to report. We have you under contract. And if you don't report, that's almost $96,000 in fines for missing minicamp. It's $50,000 per day for training camp. It's $620,000 for each preseason game. And if you don't come in and you retire, that's $21.6 million in back pay for your contract that you owe us. Now, that's the practical contractual side of it, Greeny. I would say this. It's today, January 28th. Do you think the Houston Texans want to be a pinata for the next two months and get pasted every single day publicly? Do you think that they want this to go on and challenge a man as principled with as high a character as Deshaun Watson? See, this is the problem for the Houston Texans. It's no win, whatever direction they choose. They can call their quarterback's bluff, and I don't think he's bluffing, and say, no problem, you want to be traded, you're not going to show up, we're going to go along without you, and have that hang over their franchise, lose a transcendent talent, get nothing back in return, and have that situation linger. They could choose that, or they can choose to trade him, for the highest bidder with his consent being that they gave him the no trade clause. And then get back what you want, start over, but also know that you just sent a message to any other player that if you don't want out, follow the Deshaun Watson playbook. Now, he's in a different category with the money, with the talent, with the character and the reputation. But it's a problem 
with whichever scenario Houston chooses. No matter what direction they go, it's an issue. The question is, what's the best solution for that franchise going forward? All right, so let's live in a world, Shefty, and I agree with everything you say. Let's live in a world where they ultimately come to the conclusion that they need to deal him. Who are the likeliest suspects here? Well, again, they're not at that conclusion yet. Right. And, again, I don't don't know why they wouldn't get there, but, listen, they they do things the way they want down in Houston. And let's say they got there, and, and I don't think it'll be quick. I think it'll take a little time to get there. But let's say it takes a little bit of time to come to the realization, yeah, okay, we're going to entertain offers for Sean Watson. What could we get back in return for him? Really, I, I think it, it, it's sky's the limit because I think there are 25 teams in the league that would be making an offer on the guy. 25. I think Jacksonville wouldn't. I think Kansas City wouldn't. I think Buffalo wouldn't. I don't think Green Bay would. And short of that, who else wouldn't? Baltimore. That's it. But by the way, yeah. I mean, just for just for fun, if you're Baltimore, why would you? I, I, I hey, hey, we'll give you Lamar Jackson for uh, for Deshaun Watson. Uh, David Culley knows Lamar well. I, that's an example of what we're talking about, right? Lamar Jackson's a former MVP, and I'm not telling you Baltimore's going to. But for a moment, isn't that worth? Like, would you do that if you were Baltimore? Like, right? It could get that crazy, is what you're saying. And yes, of course, I, I completely agree with you. Every team in the league, save for the ones you just named, would be in on this if they f- felt they had some way of doing it. Uh, let me just... So, so by the way, so by the way, if yeah. there, are, there are that many teams, 25 teams, and you're the Houston Texans, and you say, open this up, uh, we're going to take the best bid. What, what do you think some team out there would be willing to give up in return for Deshaun Watson? I mean, everything, right? You know, I said, yeah. when when this first came up with the Jets, I said, send them every draft pick you have, the entire roster and the Chrysler building, if you have to throw that in to try and get him, which does bring me to my very quick self-serving question. A week ago, with regard to the Jets and Watson, you said to me, and I quote, don't get your hopes up. Does that still apply? Uh, I, I, I believe that still applies, Reese. Yes, right now, yes, I do believe that still applies. If I were you, I would not have my hopes up. It's devastating. I mean, it's flat devastating is really the only thing I can use to describe it. And and this is going to get so interesting now. I have to ask you one more thing, and that is just to the best of your knowledge, because what I I said at the very end of the last hour, I don't recall a time that any franchise has felt kind of radioactive – the way the Texans do right now. This obviously, this has nothing to do with who the GM is. It has nothing to do with who the coach is. It has to do with the people at the very apex of the organization. What do we know for certain is the issue here? Like, what, what, what can we tell people, you know, that isn't speculation that we know for sure is the problem in Houston? Because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, why is everyone so incredibly disgusted by them? Yeah, well, I think it's deeply rooted Okay, I think it goes back a ways. I don't think it just happened Mm -hmm. just now. I think it's layers upon layers of disgust. And if you go back to the end of the season, as we said on Get Up, and you go listen to the audio of J.J. Watt going over to Deshaun Watson and apologizing to him for wasting his talents and his season. Now, you could say that about a lot of players in a lot of cities, not just Deshaun Watson this year. In Houston, that's not exclusive to him. Mm-hmm. That's been the case 
in every NFL season with a lot of great players. But if we're going to pile onto that, go ask some of the Houston, the former Houston Texans players. If you put DeAndre Hopkins on your show today and ask him, what's the issue with Houston? And you gave him truth serum, I think you get an awful lot there. Okay? And this, I think, goes back to this season when they went to Deshaun for his advice and then didn't use any of it. Um, I think the owner, I know the owner went to dinner with him, solicited his opinions, and then they hired a search firm that they subsequently fired and discarded, basically wasting the hundreds of thousands of dollars they had spent with that search firm and its recommendations. And they hired their own general manager, Nick Casario, who, by the way, has been sought after for a long time and has nothing to do with this and no idea what he was stepping into. Um, I, if I said to you, Green, what time I'm producing your show today, what topics do you want to do? You say, I want to do Deshaun Watson. I want to do uh, LeBron James. And, and then I want to do something else. Okay. Well, and then we, we opened the show. And we did all baseball. Like, like <laughs> that happened over and over. I think you'd be a little bit, bit miffed at me. Okay. Yeah, right. And so uh, we've got that we've got, and, and then I took your uh, a partner and I, I traded them without telling you. And you, you heard about it on social media. Okay, which they do with DeAndre Hopkins. And then we go back to some of the issues, any number of the issues that this organization has had. And by the way, as I said to you on GetUp, this is not exclusive to Deshaun Watson. This is the way that other people in the organization also feel, not just Deshaun Watson. I'm out of time. I could do this forever. Shefty, you are absolutely the best. Thank you, my friend. And we will keep you close by as this continues to develop. The first item on the quarterback carousel is in play. We'll break on that thought. We have much more on this as we go, including the green list. Stay with me. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection just got easier with more than 30 coverage options available. Progressive has you covered. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. We'll continue with the very latest on Deshaun Watson, who has officially requested a trade from the Texans today in just a moment. But right now. The list is what determines who matters. 
in this business. The Green List. All right, every day, The Green List here on ESPN Radio are the top five as chosen exclusively by me, the world's foremost authority on all matters. Uh, From now until the Super Bowl, we're planning on making them all Super Bowl related. And this one I'm very excited about. And we did a lot of work. We put in a lot of time, energy, effort, and study. And we have chosen the five best Super Bowl halftime shows. Number five. Number five is Paul McCartney. Now, you might recall Paul McCartney played in the Super Bowl the year after the infamous wardrobe malfunction of Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. They decided to go out and get the safest person they possibly could. If you had the kind of wardrobe malfunction that you had with Janet Jackson the previous year, the safest thing you could probably do was go out and get a 70-year-old man to come out and do a concert. But let me say this. There is no person with a musical catalog in the history of popular music that equals Paul McCartney's. And his show was brilliant. He happens to be a personal favorite of mine. And so I have him at number five. At number four on the list of the greatest Super Bowl halftime shows. Oh, last year, Shakira and J-Lo. And there are any number of reasons for this. I tweeted when their show was over, when they finished their part of the concert that night, I tweeted, can they just continue and we'll finish the game another time? And I I will admit this, I say this freely, my wife is well aware of it, I have only two celebrity crushes, and Shakira is one of them. I love Shakira. I I just love her. And and I thought they were spectacular. I thought everything about that show was great. They played all the songs you know. I thought the choreography was unbelievable. I thought their performance was unbelievable. I absolutely loved it. I know it was one that had a, there was a little bit of a controversial element to it because it was, there was an enormous sexual element to it, but I thought that was fabulous. I thought it was empowering. I thought it was terrific. My, my, my personal vantage point was it was wonderful, and I absolutely loved that show, and I absolutely love the two of them. So that's number four. Then it starts to get very complicated because I think there were three that stand kind of above all others and putting them in order was very hard for me. So at number three, I have Bruno Mars, Bruno Mars, the year the Super Bowl was here in New York, put on one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. And that was when I first kind of discovered Bruno Mars. I was, as I almost always am late to the party And I didn't even really know that much about who he was before that show. I remember doing an event for Pepsi, and they were talking about the Pepsi halftime show. And, oh, the Bruno Mars. And I kept saying, oh, Bruno Mars is going to be fantastic. But I didn't even really know anything about him. And then he comes out there, and I thought to myself, this might be the most talented person I've ever seen in my entire life. Do you remember the drum solo he played? If you haven't seen that lately or you don't remember it, do yourself a favor. YouTube Bruno Mars's. Uh, Super Bowl halftime show, the one from MetLife, because he's done two. But the one from MetLife. And that was before even what I, I think is his biggest song, which is Uptown Funk. This was before that song even came out. And the drum solo alone is worth the price of admission. His performance is incredible, the dancing, the choreography. I've subsequently seen him. I saw him at the Barclays Center, I guess it's two years ago, and I don't remember, whenever he was here. And he's phenomenal. I mean, incredible in concert, incredible performer, unbelievable voice. The catalog is sensational. The concert was fabulous. 
So I thought Bruno Mars, if, if, if someone said to me they thought that was the best Super Bowl halftime show, they would get no argument for me. For me, I'm putting it at number three. At number two is Prince. Now, most people, I think, if you, if you did a, um, a poll, I think Prince would probably win as having been the best halftime show. And purely for the actual concert itself, I probably would agree. He was unbelievable. Prince was spectacular. When he did Purple Rain and it was raining, it was magical. I mean, I don't, I don't really know a better word to give you than that. It was magical. And we didn't know that he was going to die so shortly thereafter. And I was there in Minneapolis when they did the tribute to him right after he died at the Super Bowl halftime show, which wasn't so well received. But Prince was brilliant, spectacular, an incredible performer. Obviously, the music is off the charts. I'm an enormous fan. So for most people, I think Prince would be number one. For me, number one was Michael Jackson at the Rose Bowl, and I'll tell you why. This is purely a personal pick because that was the first Super Bowl I ever attended. It was the first Super Bowl I ever covered. I've never attended one as a fan. It was the first Super Bowl I ever covered. It was January of 93, Pasadena, California, in the Rose Bowl. And it was Dallas 52, Buffalo 17, but that's neither here nor there. I will never forget that day as long as I live because I'm a kid who grew up loving football, loving the sport, loving sports. And there was something about making it to the Super Bowl that was the closest I think I've ever felt to getting called up to the majors. I'm sitting there. If you've ever been to a football game at the Rose Bowl, it's incredible. The sun is starting to set. They play the national anthem. The flyby goes over. The planes go by. And I'm telling you right now that I got choked up. I had tears in my eyes thinking to myself, I'm at the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I, I was, this is 93, so I was 25 years old. I couldn't believe I was at the Super Bowl. So for me, that was a very personally important year just to be at that game, to have the privilege of covering that game. And then, by the way, the halftime show was unbelievable. What I remember about it was that when it starts, like he appears in like eight different places in the stadium. Wait, he's up there. No, he's over there. No, he's over here. They had like a bunch of Michael Jackson impersonators. And then, boom, he's on the field in the middle and he does mine. And then he's, he's Michael Jackson for crying out loud. And he was unbelievable. So to me, that was the number one halftime show. I grant you that is a personal choice because I was there and it was very special to me. But my top five Super Bowl halftimes, and I know these are always controversial. Five is McCartney. Four was Shakira and J-Lo. Three was uh, Bruno Mars. Two was Prince. And one was Michael Jackson. I'm going to leave it there, Bubba. We will come back and do the other stuff we have to, and I'll get to Taylor's takes and the very latest on Deshaun Watson and what is shaping up to be a very busy sports day. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. 
D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I come to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase every single day. And in exactly 30 seconds, we will debut a new feature, which involves someone you should get to know extraordinarily well, and you will on this program. Again, that's in 30 seconds after this word from 1-800-Flowers.com. When it comes to finding the perfect bouquet for your Valentine, it pays to plan ahead with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, 1-800-Flowers has an amazing offer for my listeners. Get 24 multicolored roses for just $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for just $10 more. It's an unbelievable offer. To order 24 multicolored roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for only $10 more, Go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio icon, enter my name, Greeny, is the code. That's 1-800-Flowers.com. The code is Greeny. Hurry, because the offer expires tomorrow. What are we doing? Taylor's Taylor takes. What are we doing? This is the discussion that's being had. Taylor's takes. All right, I would like to make sure that you are familiar with my friend Taylor Twellman, who is, among other things, one of the greatest soccer players our country has ever produced. He is one of the hosts of the new and reimagined version of Sports Nation that you can see on ESPN Plus every day. And I can tell you from personal experience, he is one of the most interesting and opinionated people you will ever come across. So we are going to have him on here, and we're going to go, is this going to be unleashed? We're going to do Taylor's Takes regularly where Taylor would just come on and spew some of the nonsense that I'm forced to listen to on the golf course. Um, and and if I, I figure if I have to put up with it, so can you. Hello, Taylor Twelman. How are you, buddy? I'm What's good. going on? I hear you. I think you're in the right spot. I can see that you look a little bit confused about where you're supposed to be, but I think you're fine. I got it. How okay. are you? So we're going to get to your takes in just a minute. Spew's a good word, by the way. Yeah, because, I mean, you're, you're just, what you are is verbose. <laughs> And, and opinionated, which is, for the general speaking, it's a very good combination. But I'm told, before we get to the takes, that you want to weigh in on my list of the Super Bowl halftime shows. Yes, absolutely. Lady Gaga 2017. I think you're underestimating that when someone is as polarizing as she is, and she played it right down the middle yeah. and caught everyone by surprise with that performance, she started it with the Pledge of Allegiance. Yes. And then threw in the... I, I just... The Michael Jackson's a great shout uh, because I think very few people remember that, Greeny. No. And I think it's important that people go to YouTube and find that performance because it was spectacular. 
Uh, I remember where I was. I was a 12, 13-year-old kid, remember watching that. But Lady Gaga, over the last four or five years, I think she surprised a lot of people with how she played that. Yes, well, look, I mean, here's the problem with making the list. I agree with you. She was spectacular. Spectacular. I I enjoyed her show so much, I I bought tickets to go see her in concert because I became became a fan Mm -hmm. watching that show. I totally agree. And and I had to to leave her off the list. I had to leave you, too, who played yeah, the, the Super Bowl right after 9-11 yep. and did this incredibly emotional 9-11 related show and scrolled the names. I mean, it, it, the list, look, the halftime shows have been, many of them have been sensational. And so it was hard narrowing them down. But I can't argue against the Lady Gaga one. I don't. I just, I put, it's my list. It's my, my favorite acts. And I'm not putting anybody ahead of Paul. I'm, I'm putting Paul McCartney on the list is basically what it comes down to here at Twelman. <laughs> Catch everybody up because I try and do this all the time. Twelman is so annoyingly good at golf. That, that, that catch me up, who was it in your family, because I always get this wrong, that was on tour? So it's my uncle. So it's my mom's younger brother, Jay Delsing. He was on tour for, I think, 20-some-odd years. Of course. Uh, right before Tiger came on. Um, and ironically, I'm going to talk about his grandfather and his place, or his dad, my grandfather, who played pro baseball. That's going to be one of my hot takes here. Okay. Well, then so why don't we just get right to that then? Let's do the takes, because I was going to ask you to remind us about the Major League Baseball connection. But if it's going to be one of the takes, let's do it. This is our very first, our, our, our debut of Taylor's Takes. Taylor, what's the first take? Uh, the take's real simple. The hypocrisy and self-righteous nature of the Baseball Writers Association of America is detrimental to the game, and quite honestly, it's going to stop the growth of the game. Here's my problem, Greeny. These writers believe that they're the gatekeepers of the sport, that the sport is nothing without them, and that your place as an ex-player is based on where they feel you fit in. These are the same writers, Greeny, and you know this better than anyone because you were a writer and you followed teams and you did the job. But these are the same writers that desperately needed the steroid era to keep their notoriety, ultimately to keep their sports. So you want to honestly look me in the camera or call me on the phone or text me because I have texted some of these writers and tell me that Bonds, Clemens, A-Rod eventually, David Ortiz... Don't have a place in baseball? How do you call yourself the gatekeepers of the sport for the Hall of Fame of baseball, which, by the way, my grandfather, who pitch ran for Eddie Goodell for the St. Louis Browns, who was on that day, it was, you know, the little person of the game. Mm -hmm. Then they called it the midget of the game. His picture's in the Hall of Fame. And the one thing my grandfather used to always say, Greeny, is this. If you can't tell the sport about someone, they have to be in the Hall of Fame, no matter what it is. Pete Rose is a player. He's in the Hall of Fame. You can't tell the story of baseball without any of these gentlemen. Now, right now, why am I fired up about this? Because it came to a head with the Kurt Schilling part. I hate Kurt Schilling. I disagree with 100% of what comes out of his mouth politically and where his stance is. But the writers are judging on him as a player. Those are the same writers, Greeny, that voted him in unanimously... As the humanitarian of the year, there's only two people that have won that award. Now, I think Kurt Schilling is a borderline player, but the moment you put Mike Mussina in, lose me with Kurt Schilling's not in as a player. And you said this best yesterday. In my lifetime, Jack Morris may be in the conversation, but at game seven, you hand that guy a ball? I'm not sure Kurt Schilling is in a class with anyone else in my lifetime. I'm 40 years old. I just think the Baseball Writers Association of America, they 
where they believed their importance is, I think is it's astronomically different than where the players believe. And I think what Kurt Schilling said, I want to go to the veterans committee. Do you know what he's saying? I wanted to go to the guys that know what it was about, and it was about playing, not about political views. And I'm not going to argue with anyone that he's politically off his rocker, but your job is to judge the sport of baseball on the field regardless of that character clause that is in there because then, Greeny, they've got to convince me where's the line. Mm. It's a great take, and, and it's obviously one that we've heard over and over again, and the shilling thing is so different from the Bonds-Clemens piece of it. Yes, I did say yesterday, and I, and I, I just for those who didn't hear it, if you told me that I needed to hand a baseball to one person and say, go out and win this game, my life hangs in the balance of all the pitchers I've ever seen. Kurt Schilling would be right near the top of that list. The Bonds Clemens of it all and the symmetry of it, uh, Taylor, is that next year will be the last year Bonds and mm-hmm. Clemens can be on the ballot, and it'll be the first year that A-Rod can be on the ballot. A-Rod hit 696 <laughs> home runs as an historically great shortstop who willingly moved to third base in order to be on a better mm-hmm. team. So he's an infielder, a middle infielder, basically, who hit almost 700 home runs. So, yes, look, I'm, I, if, if you heard it yesterday. I said it, and I've said it now for several years. I agree with you. I believe those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. So I agree with Taylor's very first take. All right, I'm told you have one more. What yep. is Taylor's second take of the morning? One more. This is the most important one because I think we may be on the verge of a paradigm shift of power in the NFL. Mm. And we've seen that power, Greeny, in the NBA first and foremost. But we've seen it in soccer, football, around the world, and even in this country. We've seen it with baseball, and we've seen it to a certain extent with the NHL. But the NFL, the power has always been with the owners. And quite frankly, we're going to know whether it still is with Deshaun Watson and maybe to a certain extent Aaron Rodgers. Because if Deshaun Watson, on the verge of signing one of those uh, monumental deals in the NFL, I know it wasn't on the level of Patrick Mahomes, but he gave himself a no-trade clause, and now he's dictating, you know what, I'm out. I'm not going to play. Now Adam Schefter, over the last 10 minutes, has tweeted out the penalties that come if he doesn't show up, and the Houston Texans don't want to honor that request of a trade. But Greeny, what if they do honor it? What does that do to all the agents, all the representation, and more importantly to the players' mindset? Because here we are going into a Super Bowl where Tom Brady didn't even need an offseason. He was 7-9, and I know he's an anomaly, but the truth is he went to a team and they won. Does this shift of power? I'm not sure, Greeny, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that since the NFL instituted a salary cap, we've never seen a player hold the owner's over the coals about where that player is going to be. Deshaun Watson's doing that right now. Maybe Aaron Rodgers does. We don't know that, and that may evolve. But this Deshaun Watson thing, from all I've heard over the last 48 to 72 hours from agents in and around sports and mainly in the NFL, they're all watching very closely because if he gets his wish and he goes someplace and ultimately is successful, then I think that paradigm shift of power, it's not going to be what the NBA is. Make no mistake about it. But the NFL owners are going to lose a little bit of power if Deshaun Watson pulls this off. That's very good. That's a very good take. Let's talk about that one for a minute here. And I'm interested in your area of expertise. So in in America, Mm -hmm. in the the major American sports, baseball players, they have no power whatsoever until they get to a place where they become free agents. They are completely controlled by the teams until they they get to the arbitration and all that kind of stuff. And then they become free agents and and the money is, is enormous there. 
But that system is so totally different. Basketball, we've seen right now, the, the big name stars in basketball completely control their destiny. James Harden wanted out of Houston. He's out of Houston. Dwight Howard once wanted out of Orlando. He's out of Orlando. And the list is on and on and on. The biggest stars in the world in sports are actually in the sport you know best. Yes. So in international soccer, tell me how this works. If you're, you know, if, if you're uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah, tell me. Tell, because I think a lot of, I don't really know, and most of the people listening here may not know. How do they do it? Greeny, the, Greeny arguably the best player ever, Lionel Messi, is in that spot right now. Now, you're an asset, so there's not trade, so you're sold. So when you see certain players are sold for, and let's say Messi sold for $200 million. Let's just use that rough number so it's easy to follow. That money goes to either the clubs that developed you, whatever the agreement is, but the player's the asset. And you're not signing lifetime deals. You're not signing the type of deals that you sign in baseball after you fight through arbitration and get there, but the players are signing those deals because you said it best. You don't have any power. You have the power from the moment you become that professional player in Europe. You're in control of it. Now, it's different in Major League Soccer. They run it very similar to the American way that you know very that you know very well, but the Messis, the Ronaldos, they're assets to the club. They're not owning them. In the moment, Ronaldo or Messi or anyone of that nature, and the reason why we're using those two is Deshaun Watson is of that caliber right. and conversation in the NFL. The moment you say, you know what, I'm out, they've got to sell you. Because you're a depreciating asset for them. You've got nothing. That's where the power is so different. And the NBA, of all the leagues in this country, has challenged that. And quite frankly, the players own that power, as we've seen. The NFL, it's never happened. Greeny, I think this may change. It will never get to the NBA level. Make no mistake about it. Because the natures of the sports are different. And so because of the violent nature of the NFL, you got to take money whenever you can get it. So that's always going to play on the owner's side. However, Deshaun Watson is really, really asking some serious questions of that power shift right now. I totally agree. It, it, it could be the beginning of a change, a paradigm shift, which is the words that you used and the word that is up on our screen, I think is exactly the right one. All right, this is a winner. I love Taylor's takes. And next week we will talk at greater length about the extraordinary nature of your golf game, which, again, it never ceases. I brought him out to Bayonne Golf Club, which is a very <laughs> difficult fun, golf course that he had never seen it in his entire life. We're playing the back tees, and he shoots even par, which, <laughs> candidly, I'm still, I'm still can, I'm amazed by. So uh, The cat's we, out of the bag now, Greeny. I used to hide under the radar, but thanks to you, now well, the cat's out of the bag. Let me quickly tell the story. So we had talked a million times about our mutual love of golf. I had no idea how good you were. Literally none. I figured all you athletes are good, but I didn't know you were going to be this kind of good. So we make up to meet. We meet at Bayonne Golf Club. We have a little lunch. And we go. And as we're walking to the – I'm actually wondering what tees we should play. Mm-hmm. So I say to Twelman, what's your handicap? And he looks at me and he goes, scratch. And I said, is that a fact? <laughs> <laughs> Having no idea. You could have said 31 for all I knew. He goes, scratch. And I said, oh. <laughs> that that was the best part because you looked at me and you're like – so we're cool playing the back tees? And yeah. I'm like, we're fine, whatever. And I bogey one because I'm like, oh, I could easily drove the green. I should have. Why did yes. I hit five iron? <laughs> it's a very short par four. And the, okay, anyway, we will. these are all conversations that we will have offline. But this is a winner. Outstanding takes. Thank you, my friend. Again, Sports Nation every single day with Taylor and company on ESPN+. Plus. Thanks, my friend. See you, brother. All right. See you later. It's Taylor Twelman, who is, again, he is as opinionated 
And people associate him with soccer, and for good reason. He was one of the greatest soccer players we ever developed in this country and is our lead soccer analyst. But he is insanely opinionated on all things sports. And so I thought, let's just unleash him here and let's see how it goes. So, so far, so good. I, I will finish up today by, by addressing something he said there. Here's why that paradigm shift, if indeed it does come to football, will not create the problems that I think it has in the NBA. So the problem that I believe they had in the NBA, have in the NBA, is that the players having this control, which in general I'm all in favor of, but what they've chosen to do in so many cases, of course, is team up together in ways that have tilted the balance of power so much that it, it takes away from the sport a little bit as a fan. You know, when LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh all get together, now all of a sudden they're so much better than almost everyone else. There are only so many stars of that magnitude to go around. If three of them join up together on one team, you have an increasing number of teams that just feel irrelevant. It feels hopeless to their own fans. They feel irrelevant to those of us who are watching otherwise. So when they all join up together, that's a problem. It would be like if Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson all decided to play on the same team. But I've just answered my own question. That obviously isn't going to happen. So whenever a quarterback changes places, if Deshaun Watson goes from Houston to, I'm just making this up, the Jets, God willing, um, or wherever, goes to the Bears, now all of a sudden that's just one great player going from one place to another. It shifts the balance of power, but it doesn't tilt it. It doesn't have any detrimental impact on the competitive balance of the sport, which, again, I do believe has been and remains a problem for the NBA. It wouldn't be a problem for football. And also, football having this hard salary cap means that even if a bunch of players want to follow Tom Brady to Tampa or a bunch of good friends decide they're going to get together and all go play in one place, it's just, just you just can only have so many great players on any one team because you just can't afford to pay them all. So while I, as, as an American and a believer in the capitalist system, I'm not a huge fan of a hard salary cap, it does accomplish that. So I don't have any issue with the quarterbacks and the stars in pro football taking this degree of control over their own situations, and let's see where it leads. But this Deshaun Watson thing, it's a snowball that is now rolling downhill. Now, Taylor mentioned that Shefty tweeted the, the penalties that he could face if Houston were to decide not to make any kind of a move with him. Let me quickly call those up for you here because, you know, they could decide that. They could decide we're not trading him no matter what happens. And here's what they said. Houston's leverage. They can fine Deshaun nine, almost $96,000 for missing camp. They can fine him $50,000 a day for each day that he misses in training camp plus one week of salary, which in his case is $620,000 for any preseason games that he misses. If he retires, the Texans would collect $21.6 million. Now, no one's best interests are served by great players not playing. So I don't think it's in anyone's best interest here that the, the outcome of this is that Deshaun Watson doesn't play. And again, I don't think that's realistically on the list of options of where this may go. I think ultimately they're going to trade him. I think he's going to leave them no choice. And I think that the offers will be astronomical. It has a potential, I think, to be the biggest trade in NFL history. I think we usually think of Herschel Walker as the biggest trade in NFL history. 
and he was a great player in his prime at a time when his position was considered a prime position. Running back was valued in an entirely different way in 1989 or whatever year it was that he got traded, was valued in an entirely different way than it is now. But no position in any sport has ever been valued the way the quarterback position is valued in football right now. So a 25-year-old player who's as good as he is, who has everything in the world going for him off the field as well, he's just as good a person as you could ever possibly want, this will be the biggest trade in NFL history, and it's going to happen. We'll be following it. Obviously, the latest is on ESPN all day, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. ESPN Radio.